0: For Beatrice, my love for you shall live forever. You, however, did not.
1: Spoiler alert! This show show explores television content that's been available for consumption for quite some time. If a spoiler or two slips into the conversation, well, you were warned. Here is this week's show show with Sweets and Slaney. It's the same with impeaching a president. Like, that can't be undid. Like, people are... That's not
0: true, though. I mean, you can't unelect somebody, but you can can remove the guy from office.
1: Yeah, I just think that the waves that come from that...
0: Yeah, I know. Pretty it that's crazy. I, I saw a really sobering piece that Rachel Maddow did the other day about the parallels between this inauguration and the 1972 Nixon inauguration, which oh, yeah. was like 9 months before his impeachment. Right. Um his disgraced impeachment and one of the biggest parallels are was that congressional so yeah. it was the last time a like a substantial number number of of congresspeople voluntarily and openly said I'm not going to this. Right. Um, and not um anonymously. They openly on like in this case on Twitter, they said no, I'm standing with John Lewis or whatever. Right. Wow. Yeah.
1: So what but Nixon was around for longer than nine months altogether, right? Well, he had
0: done he had served four years already. Right. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. But but Spiro Agnew, who is his VP, yeah. had to resign in disgrace. Right. And then like a few weeks later, so did Tricky Dick.
1: Right. Yeah. And then who took took place after tricky dick
0: was it was he under uh lbj really yes i don't know what the party alignments there were i don't know because i think lbj was democrat wasn't he
1: i don't know i'm really not sure i don't know either i wish i knew more about stuff
0: i know some things mm? hey speaking of, of of knowing things um first of all how is your your journey through infinite Jest going it's good.
1: Um, not as fast as I hope, but every time that I like, I got through another twenty pages last night. I'm at just over six hundred pages. Right. So there's about three to four hundred pages left.
0: I was thinking that's like one of the great literary challenges is to digest that book. Yeah. The next level, and perhaps the final level, would be <laughs> um, Finnegan's Wake. Do you know what Finnegan's Wake is by James Joyce? No, well, I know who James Joyce is, but I've not... So this is considered like a literary masterpiece, but it's the last work of fiction he created before he died. Okay. He died shortly after it was released. It's a 600-page novel, and it is considered, by and large, to be the most difficult piece of English literature to read.
1: Really? To, like, understand?
0: To, to, to understand, to even follow. Really? Because, and I found it in the store because I had heard about it, and I did a little poking around and i found it and i tried to read some of it mm-hmm. and it's ridiculous <laughs> it's <laughs> like, it's written this? in english yeah but it's it's also written in code kind of so there are almost no sentences that unto themselves seem to be making any sense oh. and they don't really seem to run together wow the first line of the book opens mid-sentence and the last line of the book ends mid-sentence did you go to the first and last page just to see that yeah and i I was testing another theory (laughs) there's a theory that if you line up the last sentence to Uh. the first sentence you actually find your first coherent thought in the book really and that's your anchor for decoding this book but there's still the question of if the last line of the book Leads into the first line. Where in the middle of this book is the beginning of the story?
1: The fact that you think that Infinite Jest is one,
0: <laughs> like one point before this book is incredible to me. Like, no, I don't. But I, I think that it's considered one of the great challenges to get into. Yeah, and it is kind of intense to read. It's not I, like it's light reading. I
1: read the other day that Bill Gates hasn't finished it. Like he's going through a DFW phase, and he's reading <laughs> a lot of him. But it says like. The, the paragraph ends with, although he still hasn't read Infinite Jest. And it's I was like, like the ultimate DFW. We're doing things that,
0: yeah, I know. You know that I you f- won't have $80 billion when you finish this book. Not when I finish the book, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think that's how it works. But mm, down the road. Maybe someday. Anyway, Finnegan's Wake by James Joyce. The other uh, argument is this guy was already esteemed as a great writer and mm-hmm. poet. Maybe he had just gone fucking insane when he wrote this book, and it means nothing right, but it's it's given more um observation than it than it, than it maybe deserves because this guy had a resume sure yeah you once you have a
1: resume, you can basically just throw shit against the wall and people are like that's one of Picasso's greatest works,
0: although it's not like people are too proud to say that artist has lost their touch, they're no good anymore that's true that's what Twitter's for. Yeah, we do, have... <laughs> and I imagine the tweets were getting pretty critical in the last days of James Joyce's life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's getting pretty tough to be James. The original tweets, That's letters. Right. <laughs> um, did you watch Saturday Night Live this week? Yeah, I watched up until update, and then I guess I I forgot to continue watching. Yeah, I, I will say her monologue was awkward.
1: It was. She was super nervous, wasn't she? I
0: think. I think they probably said. Now, what's her name again? Felicity Just Jones. Felicity Jones. I think. I think they must have said this isn't going to work if we don't get someone like Tina to help right. her. We need someone like, to we carry need, this whole thing. We need thing. to. We need to go get the bat phone and call up somebody. Yeah. This is an emergency. And a she lot, can't do this. A
1: lot of the things were like, even the bachelorette thing, she, she had a hard time holding an American accent. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which I found really funny. Like you never really see that. But I know. It, it's like, I actually thought that
0: sketch was kind of funny.
1: It was funny. It was definitely one of the stronger ones of the night. Yeah. One of the other funniest things I think I saw on that show was Beck Bennett doing his like
0: micro songs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, do you know that that is inspired by this Instagram account called no. Beck Sings? No. He has an Instagram account where he does exactly that bit, where oh, he's just like, "Oh, that's this amazing. Is, this is a song I wrote for my friend Keenan, and he sings the song in that ridiculous pop star voice." Right. Yeah. Oh,
1: I want to. Okay. I was watching that, being like, "What comedy troupe did this evolve out of?" Like, he's been doing this for a while. <laughs> yeah. There's a history here, obviously, and it's super funny. So eventually, people on SNL were just like. No, you need to do this. Write this. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's so good.
0: Overall, I think it was fine. Um, the Trump sketch was kind of run of the mill. It'll be this weekend where they really have material because the inauguration's tomorrow morning.
1: Man, the the inauguration, like, are you excited to watch that? Um, I kind of am. Like, what does he... It's just going to be ridiculous.
0: I'm excited... I'm excited because I know in advance I'm going to remember forever watching this inauguration. Yeah. Know what I mean? Like, you know, people are like, oh, I remember when Kennedy got assassinated. I remember when the verdict came down on OJ. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to remember when Donald Trump, the most divisive person in American politics history, became the president of the United States. It's so funny
1: because I was thinking back the other day to how when Obama got elected, I was in university and we were in like one of my public relations classes and the teacher put it up on the screen and was like, this is going to be so memorable. And like, this is, and his whole campaign slogan was hope. And everyone just kind of felt a little bit of like enthusiasm for the States. And like, it was really going in the right direction. And four years, like, or sorry, eight years later, I'm like five years into work (laughs) kind (laughs) of like, not, I don't want to say like hardened, but like used to life. Right. More than I was at that point. Right. Donald Trump is the president. (laughs) (laughs) And you're just like, what is going on in the world? It's like you took a full
0: jump to like old man cynical. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, A little bit. Yeah. I know. It really seems like a a very stark step in a totally different direction. If eight years ago, it was just like, hey, uh, that guy on that show you're watching. Yeah. He's going to be president. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, what? Yeah. I know. It's. I, one thing I know I'm we trying, talk about we, we do talk about this a lot How just, shocked we are it's By what's happening it, in the world it's still happening But that's the lesson I'm trying to learn From all this Is mm-hmm. that The bubble we keep hearing about The liberal bubble mm-hmm. I am a prime example of that Clearly I yeah. clearly was in that bubble Although I think everyone in Canada was Yeah In your defense Probably And certainly a lot of Liberal least, New Yorkers And Hollywood types That sure. are my really They're really my only lens Into American culture Right Um, but there's another part of me that really feels like it was an accident. Like I feel, I think he, I think he won legitimately. Right. But I do think it was a mistake. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that too many people got stuck in traffic to vote or like, there was like something weird happened because we know she got 3 million more votes than him. And, uh, there are marches with like hundreds of thousands of people. That's definitely true. Um, and my friend,
1: uh, while we're talking about like you know Russian interference mm-hmm. and and uh, kind of the hacking of the whole election, um, I wanted to bring up something my friend sent the other day. Okay, you got your which, phone. Which was uh, there's a Twitter account that makes limericks out of the news. Okay. <laughs> and one of the limericks is Mr. Lewis is famed for the fights he fought to secure civil rights. His critics dude, the government sued for holding apartments for whites. Okay. The, Piot- awesome. the Piotis the Piotus has stated his view on matters within the EU, and surely by chance his overall stance is generally Vladimir's too. Wow! <laughs> is not that awesome? This
0: is poetically genius. <laughs> yeah, I need. Who to find- is
1: this? I don't know. He he didn't he didn't include his handle, but oh, no. I'm sure you I'm sure you can just find it if you Google like news limericks. That's beautifully
0: done. Isn't that pretty awesome? Wow! Yeah, yeah. That's I how good. How long
1: it takes him to write those things.
0: Well, good thing in a world where there's so much political divisiveness and fear mongering, we have, have an absurd escape. television. We have Netflix originals and, and no chill. And Netflix originals. <laughs> both both are both shows covered in today's. That's what I'm going to start asking girls if they
1: want to come over for <laughs> Netflix originals. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. both both uh, uh, Netflix originals. Both are Netflix originals. Both originals really based weird. on
0: books mm-hmm. that were previously written. Yes.
1: What do you want to start with? uh maybe we could start with i say we start with a series of unfortunate events i agree i don't have that much context on it. i know you're you're a huge fan You've i'm bubbling with context books. okay yeah. great that's awesome yeah so i i just have the lens of which through which i i just saw the first episode
0: okay so let me say this show came up uh came out on friday yeah. friday the 13th that was not an accident okay um it's highly anticipated and it has been by me i guess in a way since i was a little kid because i started reading these books my grade four teacher mrs josie mm-hmm. read us the bad beginning i was nine and then like as they came out it even got so that i was probably getting to be a little too old to keep reading them right because they had been taking so long to finish the series i was probably sure. like 17 when the last book came up but i was like this is below my reading level read but it. i gotta know sure um so it was a substantial part of my youthful reading was the series of Unfortunate Events. And by the way, by the end of it, sophisticated storytelling. Right. There, There's a lot of foreshadowing and there's a lot of subtlety that they've done a beautiful job in this new TV series of including first and foremost. The biggest difference, I think, between this Netflix series and the movie mm-hmm. is that they used the text as a guide. And I don't say that right. to discredit the movie. Cause I think they got a lot of things right tonally, mm-hmm. but they were going after an audience with the film that they either didn't understand properly or, or was the wrong audience entirely. Right. Um, the neat thing about this Netflix show is that it's the first Netflix original to, uh, qualify for all four quadrants. That's the terminology they use. That means, uh, it, it's um targeted towards all four of their main four uh demographics which is males, females, under 25 and over 25. Oh wow. And so it qualifies for all that and the idea is no matter who you are, you should be able to enjoy this show.
1: Interesting. So what it's a show think? that's literally trying to please everyone.
0: What did you think? I mean that's ironic, isn't it? Cuz the first thing is the first thing they say is put down this book, turn go watch another show. Right.
1: And and the whole the whole theme music is look away yeah look away away. this is kind of funny
0: that's that's Uh, an ongoing shtick within the books every single one starts with if you're looking for stories with happy endings if you if you like cheerful things this book is not for you
1: i figured there was a lot of stuff that was kind of taken from the book even like certain quotes seemed like you know every time the kids were saying things like we know what we know what um uh, perished means, and we know what this means, and that kind of kept running through the. That's show. another
0: ongoing shtick in the in the novels. Is yeah. I I don't know if it's because Daniel Handler, the novelist, started by writing uh, young adult fiction for like older audiences, and even like he wrote books for adults. I don't know if it's because he was used to writing in a in a different uh, vocabulary, right? But he would use. Um, w- So I guess some verbiage that was maybe above the reading level of these novels, right? But so that he wouldn't have to water it down, he would just say, "This is a word which here means," right? Blah 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 blah. Right. And it got so that he would play around with that, and it would become silly. And there was something valuable in that because you learned words. Yeah, because you're reading books. (laughs) And then they said infant,
1: like one who is yeah, generally speaks in gibberish.
0: The that's another thing I really loved is that a big part of the identity of those books is the narrator. Right. Um, who is even a character within the universe of the story. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, and that's that's illustrated in the show, too. Right. Um, he keeps talking about how he's researching these people who really existed in his world and all the while is on the run from the law. He's a fugitive, mm-hmm. and he's uh, spent a good portion of his life mourning the bitter loss of his one true love, Beatrice. Right. Um. So that underlying story is so imperative to the novels that it 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 would have been a shame to not include that in the series and i think having him right on camera standing in the same frame as them though they can't see him it was a really cool touch and that wasn't in the movie at all well no they did an interesting thing in the movie jude law played lemony snicket in the movie so very different oh right um, okay yeah a very different take on that character. Mm -hmm. The young Pope himself. The young Pope himself. And what they did, which was appropriate, that the show kind of stepped outside of the box with, is that they kept his face hidden. Uh, So not only is he the narrator, so you shouldn't really see his face anyway, traditionally, but in all of the Lemony Snicket books, the author's photograph is obscured. And the idea is... I'm difficult to be found because I'm on the run. Right. And so that they showed him like in a clock tower with a typewriter and you could only see his silhouette, Jude Law. Right. That actually was very stylistically appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um but I like the way they've done it this time too. Yeah.
1: I how he's kind of transparent, but like still kind of dressed. According to the situation, like there's one scene where they're on the beach and he's wearing one of those like full kind
0: of onesie, old school. uh... Or he's just walking in the sewers underground. Right. Wearing like a nice three-piece suit. I don't think that was, was that communicated that he's a fugitive? Uh, If not in the first episode, it's very soon communicated. Okay, gotcha. Because I was kind of
1: wondering why he seemed to be down there.
0: Well, there's all kinds of little secrets if you know what to look for, right? In that scene, like gotcha. there's all these different names above mm. all the different avenues, yeah, yeah. Um, and those are names of characters who appear later in the series. Oh, and see. there's another story about why all those names are connected, right? And why the Baudelaires keep running into all of them. Gotcha. Did you enjoy the show?
1: I, yeah, I thought it was good. I, I honestly, man, I don't think I'll watch no the fine. rest of the
0: series. It's not for everybody.
1: No, and and it was it was it was a good show, mm-hmm. but I just. If I found the first episode a little hard to get into, sure. it didn't really pique my interest, and I know that it's kind of a kids show, and I had no connection to it anyway. Sure, um,
0: it's a big part. It's a big part of it is nostalgia for me.
1: Yeah, if and if I was watching it with, if I watched the first episode with Jen and she really liked it and wanted to keep going, I'd be like, great, yeah, sure, let's watch the whole thing. I you don't care. have to
0: apologize to me. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> it was dog shit. No, I'm just. Joking. It is very campy yeah although you like it was like wes andersony well it's funny you say that uh so the reason the the films kind of fell apart they had plans to keep going but Mm. the biggest criticism you can give to the film which came out 13 years ago again almost not a coincidence right um (laughs) is that they took the first three of 13 books and they made one film they condensed three novels into one two-hour movie and though they're not very long books it, it did a disservice to the story overall, and right. it crunched a bunch of stuff in, and they had to move a bunch of stuff around and make uh, drastic changes, and that was difficult to recover from. It mm-hmm. also left people going, okay, if they're doing a sequel, where are they gonna go? Because they, 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 they just concluded it.
1: It's, it's kind of strange that in a
0: world of sequels, they didn't leave room to do a sequel. It was just before the world of sequels, Yeah. right? Like now, anything that can drag a sequel out of it, they will. Right. Wasn't quite there yet. But they did have a plan to do a sequel. Um, Long before they even started production on the film with Jim Carrey, Daniel Handler, who wrote the novels, and Barry Sonnenfeld, who happens to be the executive producer and director of this Netflix series, Mm. were fired from the project. Ah. So immediately the two guys closest to it cut. right, And so it becomes somebody else's uh, work. And what they had planned to do was create more films... Beyond the first movie But the second one The plan was to do it in stop motion In stop animation oh. They were like, really cool Since we're kind of going outside the box anyways Why don't we make the sequel not star Jim Carrey Because he doesn't <laughs> like to do sequels But because we can't get Jim Carrey We'll just animate it And we'll do it stop motion Because that would be kind of weird right? And Wes Anderson showed some interest Because uh-huh. it's quirky And the text of the novels Is um, gothic but also kind of surreal and, and and colorful and flat. Yeah. And it's just, there's a lot of room for him to play around there. Last minute, Wes Anderson says, no, I am going to do a stop motion movie, but I'm going to do Roald Dahl's The Fantastic Mr. Fox instead. Right. And so they scrapped the project altogether. Gotcha. And now, here we are, 13 years later, they've made a Netflix show. And they're going to continue... Doing the full thirteen novel series, he started work on the on the second season already. But we covered the first four books in eight episodes, mm-hmm. rather than three books in one movie.
1: Oh, so they're like f- four books count as how many books were there all together?
0: 13. thirteen. Thirteen. Yes. Oh my
1: god. Yeah. It really is quite a series.
0: It's it's a series of, and there are very few happy things happen amongst them. Right.
1: But like <laughs> that's that's part of kind of. What everything's
0: found. 13 there's 13 chapters in every book oh is there yeah that's funny yeah
1: but it's also one of those shows where i
0: kind of thought this is, this is a little bit uh glum for kids to watch too oh yeah like oh yeah did you find that reading it yes but there's enough comedy in it right
1: and i guess it's the same with the show like it's so over the top that yeah
0: over the top as far as like you know Neil Patrick Harris, and goes there's th- and the thing that was risky and 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 worrisome because I'm not I don't need my stuff to have happy endings, but Lemony Snicket does say right from the beginning of the series, by the way, in thirteen books, when this is all wrapped up, you're not going to be satisfied, really. He says if you want a happy ending, you won't find it here. This is not a series of unfortunate events and then a good event. This right. is unfortunate shit so. There was that fear, and sure enough, when the series ends, it's kind of unsatisfying. Really? Yeah. So, what did you think, having read the thirteenth book? Were you like, "I'm so happy that was so true to character"? No, they did it right. They it, did it right. I, I think they did the right thing, or yeah. he did the right thing. But you go, "Oh, <laughs> yeah, okay."
1: <laughs> You're like, "I, I'm satisfied, right?" But at the same time, like,
0: creatively, that was the right thing to do, right? But- that's not really a happy end that's so weird to me that like you <laughs> you followed through with all 13 books and you're like ah <laughs>
1: and, and you love it so much
0: well I just I don't know I value the project sure I think they stayed I true he could have so easily been told by his editor no look we're a children's book publisher right you are, you've got to you've got to have them get a, a like a new guardian right. at the end or whatever it is that that he was planning not to do yep. And that didn't happen. Or if it did, he found a way around it. And sure. it was perfect. It's not and, like And do you think that the the show will stay true to that?
1: Yeah. Because they've
0: shown enough evidence in the first four books, in their adaptation of the first four books, that they want to do it right. Have you watched the whole series? Yeah, I watched it all in You've two days. Finished it all. Yeah. Wow. And you really like the whole series. Yeah, and I, I, I watched it in four segments. So, like I said, it's in four books, eight episodes. Right. So each book is A two-parter, basically. You get the setup for this story, and you get the conclusion to this story, and then you move on. Right. Um, And so I watched it in four sittings, and that really worked. I kind of forgot how much of a formula there was to the first, let's say, half of this series. Yeah. And you really see it, even in this first season of the show, uh they get taken away from Count Olaf they get a new guardian mm-hmm. Count Olaf shows up in disguise mm-hmm. they know immediately that it's him but no other adult believes them right they devise a plot to uncover his scheme and he narrowly escapes this is the first 6 books in the series
1: now my friend and my friend and I were talking we were trying to figure out like what things were important to know about this this book like the the guy who informs informs the Baudelaire's that their parents are dead Mr.
0: Poe the most frustrating character I've seen in a very long time is he
1: coughing because he started the fire is is there some sort of like
0: what's the cough is that supposed to implicate him I'm that's a that's a wonderful thought and I'm sure had there been message boards like reddit when the novels were being written there would have been fan theories about how he has emphysema because he's also heartless He's not heartless but he's he's unfeeling, he's kind of unempathetic and right. patronizing. He also seems to do as little as possible to help the Baudelaire's. Right. Like Well, more more than the wife though, who Yeah, but who, that was that was kind of an additive for the show. She oh, wasn't okay. so so relevant in the gotcha. in the stories. No, Mr. Poe through the end is is a well-meaning person. Gotcha. Um but that's such a wonderful thought to go back and then look at the whole series and go well what if he was working with Count Olaf right uh because he 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 refuses to see Count Olaf in these disguises it would make so much sense if he was if he was in on it no he was just he was just Kind right. kind of the worst. Like, there was one line where he takes them back to their destroyed mansion, and he says, I've never been through anything like this, but I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> and I just laughed out loud. There, there were
1: some funny lines in it.
0: Another line he line. said, he was driving them to Count Olaf's, and he said, uh, Count Olaf's very excited to meet you, and he's employed as an, an actor, so you'll know, you'll know his excitement is genuine. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff like that that I found kind of funny. Also, what's the, is there any specific point? I feel like the baby must save them so many times by, like, biting something or, like. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, like,
0: the cartoony thing. It's, right. it was. Why really does the baby
1: have to, is, is it in the story that the baby just has a set of chompers? And yes, it was
0: really it. Hammered, hammered home in the first few books that each of these three kids has a thing. Right, Like, Violet's good with mechanisms she's an inventor at heart right uh klaus is a good researcher he loves books and to read in general sure and sunny is an infant so she likes to bite things right but then as the series goes on the timeline is ambiguous they don't really say how much time the 13 books cover Mm -hmm. but she kind of goes from being an infant to being a toddler okay and her thing stops being biting and it becomes cooking she becomes like a really great cook (laughs) as a toddler yeah so yeah that it, it, I guess it gets them out of hairy situations, sure. from okay. time to time i um they're they're very um archetypal right they they the characters are kind of two dimensional and that there's just a couple factors about each of them right. that are crucial, but I kind of think that's great because I think it makes the it makes them more fairy tale Mm-hmm. They're all like the anti fairy tale, and I didn't know if
1: this was supposed to be a funny line when they said, well. You know, remember what dad said when we burnt the quesadillas better than nothing. <laughs> I was like, uh, is the dad like an asshole? Or...
0: <laughs> what did you think of, uh, the parent reveal at the end? Will Arnett and Kobe I, I That was something I was pumped about. Yeah. Yeah. I he, just, he has four
1: Netflix series. I, yeah. I heard there's a Netflix series about him driving around to
0: AA meetings on a bike. Is that flake? Is that what flake yeah. is? Yeah. He has Flake uh-huh. and he has Bojack, Bojack Horseman. Yep. He has Arrested Development, sure, which is yeah. a Netflix series. Yeah. And he has Lemony Snicket's A series of unfortunate events. It's also kind of funny because he plays Lego Batman and she plays Lego Wonder Woman.
1: Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. I cool. Picked up on that. And so she was in um, How I Met, I Met Your, Your Mother. Mother yeah. Which do you think Neil Patrick Harris
0: was kind of like, oh, yeah. we have to
1: put Kobe in it? This
0: I think really they probably good. had a part and he was like, or, or they said, can you get Kobe for right. this? Right. Sure. And he said, sure. Yeah. That's awesome. I will say, okay, I don't want to give anything away for listeners. Mm-hmm. I can tell you off the mic if you want. Um, the, the, seeing those characters on camera in the first episode and for every episode in the season, mm-hmm. they like have a segment of the episode where they cut to those parents. I was very unsettled to see them.
1: Right. Because that probably doesn't happen until way later in the books.
0: In a way, it doesn't happen at all. Oh. So I was going. I was sitting there going, "Okay, I was liking this. I really, really thought they fucked it up." So at the end of the first episode, you thought, "What I, the hell?" I, I didn't want to. I didn't. I was reserving judgment, and I didn't want to spoil anything for Becky. So I reserved my temper. Okay. Because she was really enjoying it. Right. But I was, I was almost steaming mad the first time I saw them. Wow. And then <laughs> something, and then mad. something happened toward the end of the season. Just as I was kind of going all right, okay. Something happened that made me totally change my tone and I got it and I loved it. Oh. So I'll explain to you off the microphone what that means, but sure. anybody who's finished the series and knows where they're going. Now
1: I kind of want to finish it.
0: You think I should. Man, it's up to you, but sure. like if you like Wes Anderson and you yeah. you like they they've got a through line and they've got an underlying plot that started right away. Interesting. It started in the first Lemony Snicket monologue, he started it. And it's going to pop up more and more. Uh, I guess the first time it's going to be identified will be early second season.
1: I know that if I don't start watching it now, it's going to be one of those Netflix shows that people start freaking out about. And I'm going to feel like I'm going to have FOMO about it.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's niche. Yeah. It's kind of neat. It's not Harry Potter. Right. But I cared about it almost at a Harry Potter level Mm -hmm. for a time.
1: Which I think is a little more rare than, like, I don't, I know it's, like, beloved. Yeah. But I don't know if I could name anyone else who, who I don't know, maybe not, is really going to be into the show. Maybe my friend Alex.
0: They were like, they were like Penny Dreadfuls. They were like, it was this, like, serialized story, Mm -hmm. more so than Harry Potter. Every Harry Potter book was, like, an event. But the Lemony Snicket books, like, one came out a year, maybe two a year occasionally if they were like a short one so it was almost like an issue of a magazine you liked you're just like oh the new lemony snicket book is out right i should go get it and then lemony snicket put out the unauthorized autobiography which gave you all kinds of secrets about the fictional lemony snicket did you read it yeah i've got it on the bookshelf did you like it yeah it was cool nice especially when you learn the conclusion of the story all kinds of stuff adds up and you're like that's great oh really yeah
1: oh Cool, so you need to read the unauthorized biography. Is that You don't
0: have to. It just kind of enriches it gotcha. a little bit. There's sure. a line at the end of the pilot, which you would have heard, uh, which Patrick Warburton says. He says, All good, true, and decent people know that it's time to volunteer. I don't know if you picked up on that line, but that line... Yeah, I did, I did recognize it's that. It's kind line. of an obscure line. Yeah. What does that mean? Right. That is your first indication that they're following the text. They're doing this the right way. And I'm excited for what comes next. I am a little concerned because these actors are so young. They're right. so young, and they're going to age fast. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the timeline is ambiguous. Um, just like these, like the the era is ambiguous. Like, yeah, like they have yeah, typewriters, much... and he he like she's talking about credit cards, and I bought this lamp online, and like oh really? Yeah, there's like there's they clearly didn't want to pick something they just wanted to make it its own yeah. oddball little world yeah. same with the like the city like they never say where they are mm-hmm. seems like it might be san francisco right but they never say specifically
1: it's kind of like mike birbiglia says in that episode of oh, maybe it was the, the tim Ferriss report where he talks about not wanting any jokes to tie into a certain time yeah like they should kind of be timeless like you don't want to time stamp your jokes with something about instagram when instagram is no longer relevant. This I mean.
0: is one of the reasons Friends has sustained as one of the most beloved TV shows of all time. Yeah. Because other than their hairstyles, mm-hmm. for the most part, the comedy sustains. It's the same. Every now and then, they'll mention caller ID and how cool caller ID is, or something like that. Like right. It's not a good example, but they'll say something that's really reserved in the era. Yeah. But for the most part, it's fine.
1: Yeah, even Seinfeld is, is more guilty of that, I think, by bringing up movies and TV and stuff more often
0: i guess but if you reference die hard that's fine that's gonna last forever which they do in friends right
1: we will watch die hard again though yeah um yeah well maybe i'll watch a little bit more of it what did you think of neil patrick harris versus jim carrey i think jim carrey is a
0: lot more um expressive yeah i i think i defend jim carrey's performance only because i think he did exactly what they hired him to do Mm -hmm. But again, I think the creators of the show were trying to soften him because this is a kid's movie. Right. When Count Olaf is supposed to be... He's he's supposed to be funny, but not silly. He's funny because he doesn't... He has no idea how ugly he is right. or how bad of an actor he is right. or how dumb he is. Or how Seems dumb like he is. He's, he's so dumb. dumb. He has right? no idea. That's why he's funny. He's ironically funny. He's not right. funny because he he does silly voices. Mm. He's scary. Right. He's like, he's really evil. And even the Neil Patrick Harris portrayal was still probably sillier yeah. than the the novel. And I character. didn't see either.
1: I didn't see the movie either. So I can't. At this point, I
0: wouldn't. Although the <laughs> The cast was amazing in it. Like Meryl Streep played Aunt Josephine in it. Oh, wow. And uh, Timothy Spall played Mr. Poe, and obviously Jim Carrey and Jude Law were Aunt in Aunt
1: Josephine, it. so that's a character that comes in?
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, they uh, Yeah, she's in episodes uh, five and six of this season Okay, Aunt Josephine. She is guardian numero trois. And do they call her numero trois? No. Okay. No. She's the third guardian. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway, I, I I was just so pleased to see that that they're they're doing it with care.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm happy to see Patrick Warburton get some love too. Yeah,
0: it was good. Speaking of Seinfeld, you know, his, that's his, really weird. His started. delivery is wonderful because he talks very fast. Yeah, and very serious. Mm-hmm. There's so much dryness and there's so much uh, there's so much color in what he's saying, but the way he says it, like, just flattens it in the most perfect way. Right. I don't even know how to describe it i just i remember thinking
1: the trailer for the show is kind of cool when it was just him as lemony snicket kind of doing a monologue and again it was kind of it
0: was kind of meta it's it's kind of an interesting device to have your narrator subtly be a character in that universe right because the narrator is supposed to be a character in your universe Mm -hmm. right he's supposed to be somebody who grounds you right um if he's both then the characters in the story exist in your universe too. Right. And suddenly it feels real. And that's cool because nothing about this story feels real. No. This doesn't feel like a real thing that would happen at all. But if I know Lemony Snicket personally, because he's sharing me his story, sharing with me his story, and he's telling me about this this whole other thing that happened, I don't know, it feels more impactful. Like this this book that I've been writing, which is like for probably like 15 year olds, so maybe a little older, maybe okay. not. Uh, It's an adventure story and it's taking place in an ambiguous medieval era. And it has like pirates and elves and all kinds of stuff. But the narrator is anachronistic in that he is from our era. He is from our time. And he's telling the story as if he is the leading expert on these historical figures. And this is the story that I have put together from my research. And so... He exists in both worlds, not unlike Lemony Snicket. So what made you want to do that? I just thought it was fun. Yeah, to, to, totally. To, to make the narrator me. To have some, re- yeah,
1: sure, to yeah. have some relation to Yeah, if the, the nar- story. if the
0: narrator can be me, even though this story is set a random number of centuries ago. Mm-hmm. That's great. I passed I by like 50,000 words the other day. It was a very big moment for no me. No way. Yes. Because your goal was... My goal was... Fifty. Actually, I wanted it to be as long as holes. I did. I want. I didn't want it to okay. be shorter than holes. <laughs> right. Which is forty-seven thousand. Um. And I didn't really want it to be longer than sixty thousand. So right. I'm on track to hit around sixty. Right. Yeah. I was really hoping you were gonna say I wanted it to be longer than holes, and I wanted it to be
1: shorter than like some other book. <laughs> <laughs> shorter <laughs> than Infinite Jest, preferably. Right. Okay. Yeah. I think your your mission accomplished.
0: I think it should be okay. Yeah.
1: As long as it's shorter than <laughs> Infinite
0: Jest i'll do another audiobook i think i was thinking i maybe wouldn't but i think i want to yeah cool produce it as an audiobook do will you try to like send it around as well maybe i mean it's the second long form thing that i've created i don't know i guess i haven't thought that far ahead yet i definitely i have a lot of fear yeah i I definitely have a lot of fear of rejection i i just don't think i could take that kind of rejection (laughs) george mcfly I have sounded like into, Charlie Brown. <laughs> I have looked into self publishing because like I previously was of the mind I used to belong to this super cool poetry club in high school mm-hmm. called Word Fishing. Oh God. And it was hosted by Oh God. <laughs> it was hosted by the at the time Nova Scotia Poet Laureate. Her name was Laurie Nielsen. She's a wonderful lady and a, a wonderful poet. Um did she know it though? I think she knew it. I mean okay. she knew it enough to be the poet laureate. Oh. Um, and we would meet at like a a bookstore in downtown downtown Halifax on Wednesday nights, and we would like read our angsty high school poems. Mm-hmm. And she was very um, constructive and uh, supportive. And I remember her saying, "Never pay for your own work." Right. And at the time, that made a lot of sense to me. Mm-hmm. The the lesson being, you're worth somebody paying your paying for your work. Yeah, you shouldn't you shouldn't have to give it away. And I think that there is truth in that idealistically. And it's easy to say that when you're the poet laureate and people are paying you for your work, but this is also already a new world, right? Where original content is being developed by anybody and everybody and being released all the time. And there are a million and one million and one different ways to access that content. Um, so I don't know. Self-publishing Costs a lot of money to have done. True, but you own a hundred percent of the copyright, and you make about seventy-five percent of the profits versus thirty-five. So if you can pony up twenty-five hundred dollars, and really work hard to earn that money back, right. going to like local, trying to market it, going to book fairs right. and flea markets and uh, signings, and what every coffee house an obnoxious snap snap listen to my beat poem night you can right. and hawking it like crazy until you make twenty five hundred bucks mm-hmm. plus a dollar you just earned a dollar profit right and you're a published author who owns hundred percent of his copyrights. Right. But a that's a scary dollars. thing. Yeah. I have twenty five hundred dollars, I could do it tomorrow. Right. But that's a scary thing to set yourself up for. Also Anybody can get their shit self-published, right? Right. Which is the other, it doesn't film. mean it's good, right? So, who, how do you self-publish through? Uh, Just the most, the most prominent firm in Canada and one of the most prominent firms in North America is called Friesen Press. Okay, and they're uh, based out of Vancouver. There, they seem to be legit. Okay. I've done I've done some some looking into testimonials. Right. Um. And their books are in stores. Right. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you, everybody so gets an Amazon page. But you'd page. also have to pay the cost. To no, no, it's it's in the package. Okay. So basically, one of the reasons I want my book to be less than 60,000 words is because that's the smallest package. <laughs> okay, gotcha. And also, that's a good length for this book. Right. I, I, it's not like I'm compromising it. That's That works out. Mm. So I would like to keep it. Edited within 60,000 words, um, because that includes hundred percent of your copyright, an editing service, a consultation meeting, an Amazon page and, uh, production of however many books you can sell. Right. And you get five copies of your own. And one in hardcover, which is just mm-hmm. for you. Well, that's
1: awesome. man. like, if you have an Amazon page and that's set up, then you can start marketing. You can start yep. doing like digital SEO. You can do Google AdWords and and like attack the segments that you
0: want to attack. The other thing is, I have a cousin a, who uh, has written two novels. Right. He was like an important journalist on Parliament Hill, sure. for the Chronicle Herald, for a long time. I remember you saying that. Yeah, and his first novel was kind of a Canadian political crime thriller. Mm-hmm. He self-published it, not through Friesen, but through somebody not unlike them. Uh, And then his second novel was just a a murder mystery that takes place on the South Shore of Nova Scotia. It has nothing to do with anything in his writing career, but it was published by a real publisher because he had this novel that he had already sold and said, look what I'm capable of. Do you want to work with me? Well, I mean, and if you're out
1: $2,500,
0: what is that to you? I mean, it's a lot of money.
1: It's a lot of money, But it is yeah. also a
0: dream. Yeah. So it'll it, happen someday.
1: Sure. It's a lot of money, but I'm sure, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a dream, and it's not an amount of money that's unrecoverable.
0: No, it wouldn't break me out of it. Yeah, you know. exactly. You're right. Yeah. You know?
1: I know. It's a thing I think about. You should do it, like, as soon as you're done. Come on, man. Follow cool. your dreams.
0: Oh, thanks, buddy. I get 10%. Just just for being my cheering section. <laughs> yeah, for being the first
1: person to recommend you do it tomorrow.
0: Okay, if if that's the case, I mean, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to work for it. I will. I'll make a limerick. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that's an original idea that year? Your your Movember participation was really strong, and you one of your donation incentives was I'll write you a poem about mustaches. A poem, yeah. A poem.
1: Yeah, I was thinking about that last night, actually, when I was running, and I was thinking about sure. how intense it got. And I was doing, like, three or four moems a day. And then it turned into Vidimos. Yeah. Where it was... <laughs> and it just took I, up, I like, was the cameraman for
0: those Vidimos. Right.
1: Yeah. It took up, like, 60% of my day Yep, doing these. And it would probably even be easier now because you can just upload from an iPhone. But at the time... You can put it on Instagram now. Yeah. At the time, <laughs> you had to, like... We'd like load it through Windows
0: Media Player. We put it like, through Vimeo because YouTube wasn't sensible for right. some reason. And we like, we had the hardest time. Now it would just be on Instagram. It would be no problem. Yeah. And I stopped
1: doing it. But but yeah, that year I made, I think, $1,000. And yeah, that was right. huge for me. I don't know. Like, because a lot of the donations that I was getting were $10 and $20. Yeah, I know you so had I got a lot of attention. I had like, I forget how many donations I had total, but I think it was over 50. It must have been. So I was doing like, at least one or, uh, like, usually two a day.
0: Yeah. I was very impressed. It was crazy. You want to yeah, talk about fun. this other show?
1: Yeah. What did you think of this other show? So this is a show. Here's an example of a show that enticed me enough to watch more episodes. It yeah, b- me Just too. because it left so many questions. Me too. There's so many questions at the end. The show we're talking about is, is Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency. That's it. And... It stars Elijah Wood and the guy who plays Dirk Gently. Do you know his name?
0: Uh, I looked it up earlier. I thought I recognized him from something. Yeah. And then I saw his his avatar, his pro- profile picture on IMDb, and I was like, I definitely recognize him from something. And then I couldn't find what I recognized him. Huh. From. And and the funny thing is, it's like um, it, it's a, a show that existed from a book. It's based like, on a Douglas Adams novel, and he's right, the most guy well did... known for Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right. In the same format. I have mean, you read that, by the way? Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah, I have yeah. not. And you're a fan of that book? For the same reason I like Lemony Snicket. It's just nuts. There's nothing right. like it. It's, okay, sure. And you would actually love Hitchhiker's Guide. And wonderfully easy to read and yeah. quick. Cool. My novel is already longer than Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> um, that's my bar now. That's right. That's my measuring stick. <laughs> Long, longer than Holes, longer than Hitchhiker's Guide. Check, check, check. <laughs> yeah. What else do you got? Um, Yeah, it's it's really weird. The thing about Hitchhiker's Guide is that it's existed in so many different forms, but novelization was not not its original form. It was originally uh, a BBC production. It was a a radio play. Oh, wow. He was brought on to write this thing, and Mm -hmm. he wrote a few episodes, and it was popular. So he wrote the book. Oh, wow. And then he did more seasons of, of the radio show, and he wrote a couple more books, and there's Four or five books it's called a trilogy but there's four or five books in it right um, and they're very different from one another so this is kind of an exception to the rule where adaptations are supposed to be as true to the original form as they can be and it's considered kind of blasphemous to do otherwise this is why I liked the Netflix Lemony Snicket more so than the, the Sony movie or right. whatever it was um, but because Douglas Adams sanctioned it and in fact created it himself, it's okay that the stories are vastly different. Basically, the, the outline is the same. This guy, Arthur Dent, is kind of grumpy, wakes up one morning, goes outside, and there is a construction foreman there who wants to bulldoze his house so they can build a freeway. Mm-hmm. He's very upset about that because it's his house so far it's like the beginning of up yeah that's sort of true that's sort of true except here's where it's not like up okay (laughs) although it kind of is because they do go up into the sky next um his friend uh goodness what's his name damien It's not damien michael Ford. Jason. His name is Ford Prefect. Ah, he's got this odd friend inside. who's like very strange. Odd Ford Prefect, he's my friend, but we hate him. He's very strange. Right. He shows up out of nowhere and says, listen, don't worry about your house. It doesn't matter. Let's go get drunk. He says, why? Because the world is going to end. And so what they do, rather than wait for the world to end and their bitter demise, is they hitchhike their way off Earth on a passing freighter. Right and they survive. Ford Prefect knew that this was an option because he's weird because he's an alien. Uh, and then there's this whole adventure that ensues. Wow. This is the same writer, which it kind of feels like. I mean, mm-hmm. Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency just has a similar rhythm to The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy Yeah, in terms of title. They're both oddball. They both what was make the no movie sense. like
1: for that? Have, have you seen the movie Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? I have.
0: And again, totally different from the book. Oh, okay, Totally different from the radio play totally sanctioned by douglas adams before he died really yeah he's like yeah go yeah. for it yeah he, well he i think he might have had a hand in writing the script oh wow or at least he signed off on it It got pretty decent reviews i think or at least yeah above but it's, above it's average but hardcore fans have a hard time with it because it's not the thing they love sure okay but it was martin freeman played arthur dent oh really yeah i thought it was jack black it was not Oh no,
1: I was thinking of Be Kind Rewind with Jack Black and Most Def. <laughs> because Most Def oh, yeah. is in it, isn't he?
0: Uh yeah, he in plays he card? plays at Ford Prefect and Sam Rockwell is in it and Zoe De is in it too. Oh wow. Yeah. Big cast. This is something else entirely. This is my nose is itchy. I'm sorry. I didn't do any blow before you came over, I promise. Mm, you did promise that you wouldn't do that anymore. I d- all I always follow uh, through on my promises. Okay. Um d I'm trying to think if I recognized anybody else from the from the show. I don't think so. But he kind of plays, Elijah Wood kind of plays this sad sack dude. Mm -hmm. He's down on his luck. He's got a dead end job, which he very quickly loses. And he's really just making ends meet so he can afford the very specific medication his sister needs because she suffers from this horrible uh, affliction where she hallucinates violent imagery. Yeah. So there's this cool scene where she's playing drums and suddenly she sees the drumstick as a, a knife mm-hmm. and she starts to freak out. So he has to pay for her meds. He can't afford it. Right. And meanwhile, he's got this tremendously violent landlord who's demanding rent. Yes. I loved it. I thought it was, it was and- way more violent than I tend to like. Yeah. And it but- left
1: a lot of unanswered questions. Like, I think we could go through the pilot super quickly and just say at one point, um, Elijah Woods' character walks into a hotel room, and there's basically a murder scene. There's like a not just a
0: murder scene, like a (laughs) savagery, like a slaughter, like people got torn in half. Yeah, there's bite marks under the ceiling. Yes, (laughs) and there and
1: there's just a cat that you see, and you see. I thought it was a female hand pick up the cat, and maybe it was. Yeah, yeah, maybe you're right. But at the end of the show, you see
0: Dirk gently with. This black cat. He had the cat and the gorilla mask. And the gorilla mask, which was used kind of to frame Todd. Yeah, a little bit. But
1: and then what was the uh, the, and then at one point Todd sees himself in like a fur
0: pimp coat. Yeah. With like a a bruise on his face and was on he was appeared he appeared they locked eyes. Yeah. And then fur pimp coat, Todd ran away like he was on the run. And then and then Dirk gently um is.
1: Trying to say that he's following uh, Elijah Wood's character. And He's a holistic detective, which means he doesn't really follow any clues. He sort of just... Just believes everything is connected. Believes everything's connected. So he <laughs> kind of just starts like, I don't know, he climbs into his apartment and starts hanging out. And he was hilarious in the show. He was the he reason was that
0: I want to keep watching. Really show. funny. Honestly, it was so confusing. And I even, I, I Google searched the word holistic just to see if they were using it properly. Right. And they are. It, yeah. it means the fundamental interconnectedness of things. Right. Which makes um,
1: it so much more ridiculous
0: when people say holistic medicine. Yeah, because like, that's the, what I was thinking. I thought it had to do with that. Right. Um, herbs and stuff. Yeah. And so I didn't really understand what what his little premise as a detective was, not that we were really supposed to, but he did say, I found a very important piece of information when I was in your house. I found nothing. Right. Like, And that, f- having found nothing, is actually very crucial because everything is connected. For some reason that spoke to me yeah. for some reason i was like okay i'm with you i got you yeah. and i understood then what how he was seeing the world and there's also a holistic assassin who you yeah. kind of
1: see you, you kind of think she's like possessed or something she's the one who's tied to the bed no no um the the holistic oh, assassin her. is the one with the machete oh
0: yeah she's chasing the guy uh, yeah and then why are of, you running cuz you're chasing me with a machete
1: so it's kind of a similar story where there's one completely innocent person who's with someone who's of an intelligence almost beyond this world similar story what to what elijah wood's character and
0: dirk gently are going through you know one as as hitchhikers you mean it's kind of a similar plot there well also that straight man who's just like what the fuck is happening sure and his friend knows that too but that but that's kind
1: of the same as what's happening with elijah wood yeah so elijah wood and Dirk Gently versus the holistic assassin and the dude that she forced to drive with her. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, that's a good point. So it's kind of two of those lines going together. She's just randomly killing people. She's terrifying. And she says, I've never killed anyone I wasn't supposed to. (laughs) And I'm a holistic assassin, so basically whoever I want to kill is the target. Right. (laughs) So it kind of makes you think, and it's kind of funny wordplay, and you can see how Douglas Adams was successful in writing... uh,
0: characters and and his novels because it was kind of happily confusing yeah exactly yeah it was happily confusing and and because he had so much success with radio broadcasts Mm -hmm. they also created a bbc uh dirk gently right long before this show
1: and who was in that was it the same guy
0: uh no i don't know who played most of the people i mean it was a radio show so it wasn't full of movie stars. oh sorry except todd was played by billy boyd better known as Pippin from Lord of the Rings. Oh, no way. So Pippin and Frodo played Todd on the radio and the TV, respectively. Well, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah. The other thing is, I think there's actually a BBC TV show called Dirk Gently.
0: Is there, or is this that show? No. It's just now been picked up by Netflix.
1: No, I think there's actually a BBC show called Dirk Gently. I did some... uh, uh, quick Wikipedia. Okay, other day.
0: I think I saw that too, but I I interpreted it differently. May, okay,
1: maybe it was just. The I think I kind
0: of thought it was like, um, like the Young Pope, for example, this thing that's existed already, but now has been co opted by a more American enterprise.
1: Right. But you might be right. No, yeah, I think because there's I there was legitimately a series called Dirk Gently and a series called Dirk Gently's, uh, Holistic Detective Agency. Okay.
0: And talking of the. Uh, the archetypes of specifically the Todd character and his being like the most human character. Yeah. Um, I found it interesting when he was freaking out at Dirk Mm -hmm. and he said, I'm not your Watson. I thought that was a very telling line. I thought that was a a very well-placed line because first of all, yes, you are. Yeah. That's exactly what you are. Right. And also that, that helps us understand that Todd knows that that mm-hmm. Todd is seeing what this is becoming what it's turning into. And, and that's so Watson, but to also be, to be kind of contemptuous of the absurdity of the guy who's the star of the show. But Sherlock, he's, he's also so
1: desperate, uh, uh, Dirk Gently is so desperate for his friendship to the point where he sees
0: he's nicer you're right yeah
1: the brother and sister playing guitar like he pictures him getting up and doing (laughs) a
0: a solo with him and he just
1: really wants to be friends with this guy
0: that's true he is much sweeter yeah I really like the sister I like that storyline I'm curious about that maybe more than anything else
1: that is a curious storyline and I kind of wonder if Dirk Gently just never breaks his overall pleasant demeanor yeah, I don't... I, that's kind of funny to me if he just is constantly in a state of, of...
0: Well, until he meets a girl and he falls in love and he doesn't know how to be in love because he's such an oddball. Like, that That could be the tropey thing to do, could right? Could be. Yeah, you're right. Um, wow, that just came off the top of your dome. Yeah. Have you watched any other episodes? No, but I intend to. Yeah. I just finished watching the first one this morning, but I think I'm going to put it on when you leave because, like... It's, it, I'm just very, and like I said, it's more violent than I like. Like yep. the landlord shoots the microwave and the bullet bounces onto his face. Right. It was just bloody. And, and, and the Rowdy
1: Three were super interesting
0: to me. They were fucked. They were so watchable. <laughs>
1: yeah. The Rowdy Three were these three guys that were after Dirk Gently for some reason and kind of trash the house and yep. get him on the floor and sucks. like It looks like they're like sucking something yeah, out his soul. Yeah, what was that about? It was like a light just going into their body and they're all fired up and then they take off. That's true. That was the most supernatural thing that happened in the show, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was kind of odd. And then you, you also wonder what's going on with the girl who was taken prisoner and why she was taken prisoner, who's just in the apartment above Yeah, Elijah Wood. Yeah, that wasn't... I mean, Todd. it wasn't
0: compelling to me yet because it was scary, but it's going yeah. to become more interesting and we'll right. find out how it's interconnected, mm-hmm. such as all things are. Exactly. So I had said when we talked on our New Year's Eve show, and we were discussing all the shows most anticipated for 2017, I had said that all I really knew about *Dirk Gently* was that it was uh, created for television by Max Landis, who's a guy I don't really care for very much. Right. Um, what
1: can you give me background again on him? Because I sure. So what you said,
0: I really I don't take any issue with him as a creator. He's not untalented, Mm -hmm. but as a personality, I just don't like him. So he's been a guest on a a bunch of Screen Junkies things that I follow, and he's just very pretentious.
1: You said he came from, like, his dad successful or something. Right, so
0: his dad is John Landis, who's, like, the director of Blues Brothers. So, like, he's considered something of a veteran in comedy filmmaking. Right. Um, Not unlike, like, Mel Brooks or... Sure. Or, like, one of those guys. Ivan Reitman. Mm Mm-hmm. Um Max Landis, I mean, is is nepotism incarnate, but the, I, I don't really hold that against him either. But he's a 31-year-old who's had like a lot of movies made. Right. Like he wrote the movie American Ultra with Jesse Eisenberg, and he, he wrote the movie Victor Frankenstein with Daniel Radcliffe, and he wrote uh Mr. Wright with Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick, which actually I watched not knowing it was his movie and it was really good. Yeah. Um Like I said, he's not untalented. He's had a a huge hand in the revival of the Superman comics. Okay. Just as a personality on panel, he's so full of shit. And perhaps one of the most uh, divisive things he said publicly in the nerd community was when the force awakens came out. He said it was bad. Uh, And that Ray was a Mary Sue. Do you know that term? No, it's a, it's a narrative term. It's pejorative. Mm -hmm. It, Sounds bad. It, and he's, he's, what he said, his argument isn't wrong. It's just not the whole truth, so it's not fair. Mm. Basically, a Mary Sue is a character, not necessarily a female character, who is flawless. There's nothing wrong with this person, and yet they're grumbly all the time. Right. So there are a lot of characters who, who are, are troubled, even though they have nothing to be troubled about. But that's not fair for, for Ray. Ray right. is homeless and a junkyard trader right and she's eating microwavable slop for the most part. just because she happens to be good at martial arts and speaking droid doesn't make her a mary sue that's not fair he it just really felt like he was trying to poke holes in this thing Mm -hmm. that everybody loved because everybody loved it and he's got a pink mohawk oh he and he talks like really loud and i just don't like him okay but he he wrote all the teleplays for Dirk Gently, and he's, like, one of the chief directors of the show.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I was trying to remember when it was saying created for television by Max Landis, um, who he was. But I've heard great things about the show from other people, too, saying, oh, no, you got to keep watching. It's, I'm going to. really, I, I, uh, Yeah, I'd like to see where it
0: goes. Because it's got suspense in it, but it's not brooding. It's colorful. hmm and it's it's vibrant, and that's yep. really what I want, is something that's that's going to make me smile. Yeah, and it's got color in it. Mm-hmm. You well, know? lemony snicket's did that for you. It had some color. But this in is it. kind of polar opposite <laughs> to that, isn't it? It is. That's well, pretty different. Yeah, but I mean, they're both uh, they're both dark comedies, right? At the end of the day, was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy dark at all?
1: I mean, yeah,
0: it's dark in that in the first chapter the world explodes. Uh, yeah, I guess so. But it's very funny. Like the opening line, I don't think it's, I don't think it's Hitchhiker's Guide. I think it's the next book is The Restaurant in Space or something. I forget what it's called. I didn't read it, but I've, I've read the beginning of it. The opening line is something to the effect of however many billion years ago, uh, the earth and the heavens and the stars were created, and ever since then, this has largely been considered a mistake. <laughs> I, I butchered it just then, but it was—it's sure. a great line. Yeah. And I would recommend Douglas Adams to anybody looking to have a chuckle. Have you read anything other than Hitchhikers? Hitchhikers? No, no. I—I ha- I mean, I have the like the full volume. Really? Yeah. You have all the books in in one book. It's a big thick oh, sure. book. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Oh, man, you should finish that. I'm always
0: reading something. Sure. You know. What are you reading right now? I'm still kind of poking my way through that Princess Bride book, that that Carrie Elway's biography. Do you like he's it? I haven't been reading a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so, it's so bedtime reading because right. it's just like he's just telling me stuff that I already know or more stuff mm-hmm. that I want to know. Right. It's just kind of very Andre light. Andre the Giant drank a lot this night. Exactly. And... I want to read Trevor Noah's book. I still got to read Springsteen's book. I'm kind of on a on a biography kick right now, I guess. That's awesome. You, I, I'm, I'm always jealous when people have a lot of books that they
1: want to, and it's pretty easy to do. Like I still have a lot of books. on Well, my that's list, expensive.
0: It it's expensive. It's, it's an addiction really. I mean, I, it I, is if you buy them. And I do. But you could easily just go to the library. I place could. A whole I soak. I just love buying a book. Yeah. I And I, I nice. have a lot of books on that and shelf. And then you can I've organize them read. by color. Exactly. There's a lot of books on that shelf I've never read. Not a not. I mean, not a lot. I, I read a lot, but. It goes in waves. Like I'll read like three books in a month Mm -hmm. and then I'll read one book in three months. Right. Um, Just because you get busy with life or whatever. But I I live a block away from chapters. I go there twice a week just because it's one of my happy places. It grounds me. Right. Uh, chapters is awesome no it's just it's just there's a piece in there that i don't find elsewhere
1: we were babysitting jen's little cousins last weekend and she asked the guys if they wanted to go to chapters and they were like no Uh, let's go to walmart and buy lego and i i bought a little x-wing by the way no nice it was awesome um and i showed them your uh your Volkswagen, VW van, yeah, 1300 ex- expecting pieces. Expecting to get like a holy shit, that's great. Like, oh, 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 But they were like, oh, yeah, we saw that at Legoland. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nothing impresses them.
1: No, they were like, no, we saw that at Legoland in, in Boston.
0: I saw your Snapchats where you were interviewing them about Donald Trump.
1: Yes. <laughs> Ask them about the president. And I was really expecting super innocent answers. And one of them was really innocent. Hey, what do you think about Donald Trump's pre- presidency? um he's hairy he's hairy uh, and then he starts laughing to himself and then the next kid goes he's a racist <laughs> <laughs> and i didn't know how to react I You was just, just like uh, I was like oh yeah, i guess but, uh, yeah, but, <laughs> like i was in agreeance yep but yeah i found that to be the funniest thing ever and i was asking the kids about
0: working to rule as well and oh yeah and the teacher strike and they were just like uh, uh oh, i think i may have seen a snapchat about that as well yeah working to rule Yep. That's still going on. I know. Oh, well,
1: maybe when Kevin O'Leary's our prime minister. Oh, fuck oh, no! <laughs> it's funny because he was on Celebrity Jeopardy versus Aaron Rodgers, who you might have heard on You Made It Weird. Yeah, I know who Aaron Rodgers is. And he, and Aaron Rodgers like absolutely killed everyone in That's Celebrity awesome. Jeopardy. That's yeah. so cool. He's such a smart guy.
0: Yeah, there was another Celebrity Jeopardy where Andy Richter just trashed Wolf Blitzer. Like really? Wolf Blitzer finished in the red. Nice. Yeah that's nice. em- that's embarrassing for one of like cnn's leading journalists yep. but i mean whatever But the categories fake news. are yeah they're, they're just fake news <sighs> The kevin o'leary thing is is so stressful and a year ago it wouldn't have been now i know but there's such a chance for him to just follow the playbook i know and i was listening to i was listening to them cut up some phone calls that the q took in this morning because they were talking about it on the mm-hmm. naturally And I mean, they, they managed to get both sides of every argument, sure, which is great. And there was somebody who said, you know, this is a person who's been successful in business. He'll be successful in all ventures. I would totally vote for Kevin O'Leary. Right. And I mean, it, it, first of all, he doesn't even live in Canada. He doesn't want the best for this country at all. He's a maniac who saw another guy who happens to have been successful in business mm-hmm. and also reality television mm-hmm. make it happen right and i'd like to think that that canadians are smarter most of us are going around saying yeah but canada's smarter yeah but we're the same species yeah we have the same and- <laughs> makeup
1: and you'd like to think that that trump deep down actually cares and like he's going to show some humility know, humility but Apparently, uh, I heard on Bill Simmons' podcast this past weekend, Jeff Ross was talking about, you know, the different roasts he did, and they he did two roasts for Donald Trump, so yeah. I mean, he knows him kind of well, yeah. doesn't support him, but saw him, like, on the golf course and said, hey, Donald, you know, I, I uh, like, they were, like, passing each other on different holes, and mm-hmm. he said... Hey, Donald, you know, I uh, just got back from Iraq and it's, it's uh, you know, it was such a crazy experience. And he said Donald Trump went, oh, yeah, real mess over there. Eh? Hey, what do you think about Arnold as the uh, celebrity apprentice host?
0: Wow. <laughs> like he's the president-elect. He's president-elect at he this point. He just part. cares about the image. Isn't that crazy? He does just care about the image. Yeah. I mean, there's no question about well,
1: it. And and the, the other funny thing, too, is that there's a character very similar to Donald Trump in uh, Infinite Jest. Oh, really? His name's Johnny Gentle, and he's a former, like, crooner. Yeah.
0: It just kind of makes up policies that he thinks should be... And he has an army? He has, like, people who follow him?
1: Uh, Yeah. Well, well, his big thing was, uh, like, cleanliness of the air. Like, he's a big germaphobe. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of a mix between, like, someone with OCD and Donald Trump.
0: So someone would never pee on him for a, no, a service rendered. I don't
1: think so. Yeah. <laughs> Man, that's insane too. Like, I listened
0: to, to Jeff Ross just to just to tag on to the, the roast talk. He was on fresh air last week and he was talking about how at the time it was a little bit or in hindsight it's a little bit surprising to think that, that Trump sat there and took all those jokes as well as he did. Right. But roasts are inherently narcissistic. Right. Like these guys yeah, they call people up and say, they've called Kanye, for example, and said, Can we roast you? Right. And they say yes or no. Yeah. They sign up. Because the, the event is about them. They called Kanye and Kanye said no. Kanye said no. But when they called Justin Bieber and Justin Bieber says yes, mm-hmm. yes, it's good for his image. And that's fine if he wants to do something that in, improves his image. But at the end of the day, everybody goes, but in all seriousness, I think you're very talented and thanks, right. thanks for taking it, you know, like a, like a champ. At the end of the day, you're the hero. Yeah. And that's what Donald Trump was the night he, he got roasted. Also, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before. Uh, it's understood that there are a couple of things each roast guest of honor gets to take off the table. Mm-hmm. They get they get to go in ahead of the time and say, look, I'm going to be a good sport about this, but you're not allowed to talk about this, this, Rob or this. Rob Lowe said,
1: don't talk about my mom. Rob
0: Lowe said nothing. He oh, said, really? everything's on the table. Huh. Charlie Sheen said, don't talk about my mom. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Uh, Mike Tyson said, you're not allowed to talk about rape, but people did anyway. Right. Like, what else are you going to talk about? And- Donald Trump said, the only thing you're not allowed to to say, you're not allowed to imply that I'm less rich than I say I am. Right.
1: Well, and that's, it's kind of funny though, because Jeff Ross says, I don't remember anyone saying that, but that story has been out there for a while. It's persisted. Yeah. Like, yeah. (laughs) Kind of like the Michael J thing this weekend when he said, like, even, even though the, the P thing might not have happened. When I hear Richard's gear, na- Richard Gear's name, I still think durable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah, he's really All right. Did you watch his stand-up special?
1: No, you were saying it's really good though. I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought I'll it was watch awesome it for sure.
0: I thought I liked it better than Pete Holmes' special actually. Did you? Faces and Sounds, yeah. I Pete... thought I thought Pete's was fine, but I thought it was a little lazy. Yeah. I thought it leaned a little heavily on Faces and Sounds. Right, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Huh. I hope his show's good. I think I hope it will be. I think it will be, too. He had Seth Rogen on yesterday. Oh, really? Yeah, it was good. Wow. Seth Rogen was really sweet. Yeah. He really seems like a nice guy. I bet. Yeah. I'll listen to that. You You should. It's only 90 minutes. It's not long for you. Nice. You made it weird. Cool, cool. Is that the show? I think so. That was a good one. Oh, I wanted to bring this up, even though it's not uh, tying into the conversation at all today, but it's TV-related. American Crime Story, the O.J. Simpson. Yep. Uh, second season is apparently going to have something to do with Hurricane Katrina. Okay. I'm not sure if it's going to be Bush-related because there's some indiscretion there. Mm-hmm. But it's called American Crime Story, so it really should be a legal drama. Right. Whatever. Uh, the third season they've already lined up, and it was uh, discussed in HuffPost today, the Monica Lewinsky story. Oh,
1: that's interesting.
0: That'll make for for American television. I was I was all set for
1: you to say something that I like just wasn't really going to care about oh really like I, yeah for some reason like sweets oh, is definitely not going no, in a good no here. no it wasn't that i think it's very <laughs> topical and like people are obviously talking about it right but i just was like what's it gonna have to take for me to be interested in the last because hurricane katrina i don't yeah, know what i don't care sort of, so much yeah yeah but monica lewinsky really <clears throat> piqued my interest
0: well and in. also would they have done that if hillary got elected no no mm-hmm. Never. No, probably not. Because it'd be horrible for him, her image. It would just, like, look at what OJ has become again in 2016. Between that and the uh, Made in America documentary, which were they were clearly paired strategically. Right. He's suddenly more famous than he's been in 15 years. Right. Uh, more infamous, maybe. Yeah. And that's absolutely. going to happen again with Bill Clinton mm-hmm. when, when Ryan Murphy has his way with it.
1: Yeah. I think so, too.
0: On that cheerful note, never trust Ryan Murphy if he <laughs> wants to make a story about you, mm-hmm. unless he wants to cast you, in which case you have to take that job. Yep. <laughs> and I was a golf boy. You were a golf boy. Did
1: you see the Golden Globes thing? No. Oh, I thought it was just going to be met with laughter. I'm sorry. Uh, the There was a whole little video, and I'll show you after this podcast. Yeah. There's a whole video where everyone was talking about their, their first jobs ever okay. in Hollywood someone's like you know i served french fries i tore tickets at the movie theater brian cranston's like i loaded things onto a dock yeah and everyone's just saying uh tyler perry says like i used to pick up dog poop at a veterinary hospital and everyone's giving these jobs and chris pratt tries to say i uh i've just always been an actor I just okay. decided I wanted to be an actor and I moved out That's here. That's not and, true. I've heard him tell stories about <laughs> working in restaurants. I know. And he's like, and I just started acting and then it cuts away. And someone's like, I, you know, walk dogs and I shingled houses or whatever it was. And, uh, he's like, it goes back to him and he's like, I mean, I can just pretend like I did something before acting <laughs> if you want. Like I can just say something like, okay, go to the next person and then come back to me and I'll have right. something. And he's like, I was a uh, uh, golf boy. No, damn it! That's <laughs> what is a golf boy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, and then, that's what he says. He's like, oh, damn what? And then like other like three other people do their job, do what their jobs were, and then it ends with Robert De Niro saying, "I was a golf boy." Oh, nice! <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. I have good. to show you the video. I watched the video.
0: All right, everybody, have uh, have a happy uh, Trump's America. <laughs> Good luck out there, Dystopia. Yeah, and uh, never trust Will Smith, of all things.